We are starting a new series called Keeping the Christ in Christians. And um, uh, you might have heard the term keeping the Christ in Christmas. As a matter of fact, many of you, some of you uh, have, uh, if you look at a sign and it says Merry Xmas, you are offended uh, because you're like, why are you taking Jesus out of Christmas and making it Xmas? And there's a whole bunch of things for that. Maybe sometimes if someone says happy holidays, you kind of feel like in your gut, you should say Merry Christmas instead because you're taking a stand and all of that is good. I am not having a series telling you not to do all those things. What I am telling us to do is whether it's Xmas or Happy Holidays or whatever it is, the thing that's going to bring Christ into Christmas is you and me. When we show up somewhere, we are to bring Jesus with us. That's why the tagline is being Jesus everywhere we go during the holidays. By the way, this flickers. We all know about that. So uh, our team is working on it. As a matter of fact, before we continue, I would like to give a thank you to the tech team that sets all this stuff up. Thank you very much, you guys. They're here way, way before you, and uh, they're here after you. And so it's, uh, it's amazing. When something goes wrong and you want to turn around and look and go, do they know that this is happening? They know. Trust me. They're way more nervous about it than you are. So uh, great job, tech team and worship team. Thank you very much. And Roxy, we're glad you're here this morning as well. So thanks. So uh, Christmas, as you know, is filled with expectations. And what we're going to be talking about in this series is some people who were interrupted in this process of Jesus being born and how they handled it and maybe some little tidbits that we can take out of these stories, these narratives that we can take into the parties and things that we have going on in our own lives. Because here's what I know about the holiday season more than anything else is that your expectations will probably not be met. Your expectations of how you dream about that party going. No one's talking about politics. Nobody's talking about anything controversial. Everyone's just loving each other. And then two vaccination conversations and a CRT to top. You're just like at each other's throats and you're ready to go. And you're like, no, I didn't bake a turkey all this time for, for this. So our kids flew in from, uh, I forget where they were. My kids are like, I don't know, they're like jet setters. They're always on a plane somewhere. But they came in, oh, from Texas. And uh, we pick them up at the airport. And so then my daughter gets this idea that she, because uh, we all have Knott's Berry Farm passes. So for those of you watching online in another state, Knott's Berry Farm is just kind of like a poor man's Disneyland. Anyway, uh, so we, we, we all have uh, Knott's Passes, and uh, that's more our, our role. That's more who we are. And uh, so we're, we're, she decides, hey, there's still some hours left at Knott's Berry Farm. And so uh, we arrive at the house at 830, and then everyone decides that it would be a good time for Grandpa to bond with Annie. Well, they went to Knott's Berry Farm, and then I stay home with uh, the little cherub. And so uh, I'm thinking to myself, because I have expectations just like anyone else. We're going to sit. We're going to watch the Laker game together. 
She's going to love the Lakers, and we're going to have fun, and then she's going to get tired when I want her to, and then uh, I'm just going to grab her and go, hey, little precious, it's time to go to bed, and she's going to go, okay, Grandpa, mm, mm, and then I go and watch the rest of the game. Those were my expectations. Granted, might have been a little off, but those were my expectations. So they all go having fun, Knott's Berry Farm, doing rides, all this kind of stuff, and uh, Annie, so... There's just one lead change in the game. Like the Lakers caught up and they start winning. And that's when she starts crying. And I'm like, what's wrong with this wretched child who doesn't like the Lakers? Like that's the first thing you learn as a little baby in Los Angeles. You learn to love the Lakers. Anyway, so she's crying and they're leading. So I'm rooting for the other team. Like that could be the only reason why she's crying. So she cried from 8.30 till 10. Uh, so straight. And I tried everything. I tried everything I know. I did all the S's. You know, you're supposed to do the S, swaddle, sway, shush. My S's growing up were shame, shake, swat. Uh, but I, we don't do that anymore, okay? There, there's a whole new set of S's now. So I was doing the really good S's, and uh, oh, suck was the other one. So my daughter leaves me a bottle and says, hey, if she starts crying, give her the bottle. I, I'm, I'm better than this. I've raised three wretched children. I know exactly how to do it. So I'm doing everything. And so finally I say, I'm going to do the bottle. Of course, she goes right to sleep. Anyway, so, but that was at 10 o'clock. And so none of my expectations are met. Now that's fun. Okay, that's great. I have the little baby. She's awesome. She, she's uh, probably still sleeping now. I don't know. But what if your expectations are that you would have been married by now? What if your expectation was we were going to have kids? What if your expectation was I was going to be farther along in my career by now? What if your expectation was COVID would be over by now and there wouldn't be any more variants or what have you? Well, what I want to talk about this week and the coming weeks is that oftentimes God meets us in the deficiency of our expectations and does really great things when our expectations aren't met or put a different way. Maybe God has different expectations for you than you do. And so what we're going to do this morning is look at the first person in the story of Christmas. Uh, it was a priest called Zechariah. For many of you, if you've been followers of Jesus for a long time, or maybe you were Catholic and you're now kind of moving around or you're trying to figure out, or maybe you're new to the Bible and you're like, look, Christmas time would be a good time for me to start reading the Bible. What I want you to get across is that the Bible is accessible to you. It doesn't take someone with a degree to understand it or whatever. The Bible, as a matter of fact, is just a series of letters and books that were written to common people like you and I. It wasn't something special just for scholars. And so when we read these narratives, we read it as though we're understanding it for the very first time. And, and so that's what we're going to do this morning with this guy. So we look like with any other narrative in the Bible, as we approach it, we look and we say, oh, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, you, and all that does is set a historical context. Luke wants you to understand, and I certainly want you to understand, that this story actually happened, and it actually took place. And so what, 
the right, what Luke is saying is that this is the time it happened. So if I were writing this story to you, um, as far as when these people got it, I would say like, hey, during the Carter administration, and then you would go, oh, oh yeah, that's right. This is what happened during the Carter administration, whatever. Not a political statement, just normal statement. In the time of Herod, king of Judah. The reader would go, oh, that's right. That was, I remember that. And then you'd have some events that would have happened. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So as a reader, the first person getting this letter or this book that Luke has written, you, you would understand, most likely you'd be Jewish, you'd understand that there were, 12, there were 24 groups of priests. See, we think in terms of there's me, I'm the senior pastor or the lead pastor or whatever you want to call me. And then, you know, there's Pastor Michelle, she's an associate pastor. And so you kind of think in terms of that. And that was true. You had the high priest back then. But then you had 8,000 priests. So Zechariah was special in that he was a priest, but he was one of 8,000 priests. So we want you to understand that. And then his wife Elizabeth, Luke writes in that she was a descendant of Aaron. Now, this is just fascinating, just because I geek out over the Bible. Sorry, I, I do. Is that if you were a priest, you had to marry a Jew. You couldn't marry someone from another culture. And the reason they did that was they didn't want anything, uh, other gods or other influences polluting what they were trying to accomplish as priests. And so uh, Elizabeth was not only a Jew, she was a descendant of Aaron. Aaron was the first priest when Moses takes the people out of Egypt, right? So Luke is telling you this is a power couple. <laughs> this is a pretty awesome couple, very spiritual, very religious He's a priest, and she's a descendant of the first priest. Very important. Luke wants us to know that. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. So not only are they a power couple, they believe this stuff. They are living this stuff. They've been involved with it their whole lives. Have you ever met a politician or seen a politician who's been in politics their whole life and they get to a certain time and you realize they don't believe this stuff. They're in it for them. They're in it for I don't know if you've ever met a politician like that. I'm sure they're out there. Anywho. Uh, what? Okay. Um, so, right? So you meet them and you're like, I don't know if they're really there for They were there for, they believed this stuff. And as we'll see, they're older, so they've been through some stuff. As a matter of fact, the reason Luke mentions that they were righteous and blameless is the very next statement. But they were childless. Their expectations when they got married were like many people. We're going to get married. We're going to have a family. Okay? And if you're a priest, certainly the descendant of a priest, you would expect that there would be nothing in the way of you realizing your dreams that God would bless you. Maybe some of you are in this situation right now. You've done everything. 
You've been blameless. You've done the decrees. You've read the Bible. You've tried to apply it to your life. You've been a good husband, a good wife, a good friend. And yet there's this one thing in your life that is not meeting your expectations. Maybe you're single. And Christmas is just a time when you wish you could be with somebody and just share it with somebody. And you thought by this time you would be married. Again, we talked about it earlier. Maybe it's your career or maybe something's going on and you had an expectation. Maybe for you, Christmas is a time, maybe this is the first Christmas you've had without a certain loved one that's always been there. We've lost a couple people in our church over the last few months. For their family and for our church family, this is the first Christmas without them. And we might ask God the same thing I'm sure Elizabeth and Zechariah were asking. Why? What, why? Why? We've done everything right. Well, he goes on. We, they were childless. And at this point, if you were childless, at this, this particular point in time and in this culture, it would be because God did not, as far as the Old Testament was concerned, open your womb or close your womb or whatever. And so the culture of this time would assume that you were being judged by God, that something was off. Oh, sure, Zechariah and Elizabeth look great on the outside, and yeah, they come from a long line and all these types of things, but really, because they don't have kids, there must be something wrong. What Luke is trying to tell you is just because you're going through a difficult period in your life, a difficult season, or things aren't working out in your life, even though you're blameless, course, we probably wouldn't say like that, righteous and blameless. Even though that's going on, you're not doing anything wrong, it's still not quite meeting your expectations. You've been praying, you've been, you know, uh, reading your Bible, you've been doing everything, you surround yourself with people who speak into your life, and yet you're childless or whatever less that you wanted to be. And Luke adds, and they were both very old. Now, just want you to understand, the Bible is not being ageist here, okay? <laughs> that's coming later, okay? The Bible is not being sexist or ageist. That's all coming later on in the story, okay? Or actually, sexist next week. Okay, ageist this week. And they were both very old. And all this is is just a biological statement, okay? The Bible's not trying to say anything other than that. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. So understand this. There's 8,000 priests. They're divided into 24 sections, okay? And they would go once a year. It would, it would be like being in um, the National Guard. You've signed up. You're part of it. And then they'll say, okay, for this week, you're going here. And then you do it and you go back to your everyday life. And so Zechariah was a priest had a job, doing life, and then he gets called up, which would happen once a year, 24, uh, once a month, morning and night. So you have 24, one group in the morning, one group at, in the e evening. And he, was, he serves as priest. So he just gets called up and he goes. But here's where it gets very interesting for him. He was chosen by lot, not Old Testament lot, from Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? This is by just casting lots. It's like a, he won the lottery, essentially. 
He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Out of all the priests, he gets to be the one. This is the closest he'll ever be. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. He was right outside the Holy of Holies. There's a big curtain there. He's like, I don't know what he did. I would have done that. I would have been like, are you in there, God? Okay. So he's going into this place for the first time, never been in there. And, and most likely, it's possible this could happen twice in a priest's life, but very unlikely. This was it. It would be like the difference between going to a baseball game and being the person to throw out the first pitch. Okay? It's special. It's a big deal, and you'll probably only do that once. And if you saw me throw a baseball, you'd probably only happen never. Okay. Chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go in the temple and burn incense. Very big deal. So here's, Luke is setting the scene. When the time for burning the incense came, this is Zachariah's big thing. He's probably already tested the lighter. You know, he's like, click, click. Okay, good. It works on the second click. I don't have to freak out. Looking in how much oil is in there. You ever do that with those little clicky lighters? You're always looking like, is it out? It's never out of oil and they never work. So whatever. But th so that's what he does. He got that. He's got his incense. He's looked through the manual. Okay, first walk in then go to this. And there he is. He's ready to go. And all the worshipers are outside waiting for that incense to be lit and they're praying because the sacrifice is coming. This was probably the evening time. Uh, there's one in the morning and one in the evening. But because of all the worshipers, it was probably the evening time. In other words, the big service. Okay? Not just the early service. This is the service. And Zechariah's up. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So for Zechariah... It's special to be part of the priest, but not out of the ordinary. Out of the ordinary is burning incense. You're a little nervous, just like you or I. This is a special deal. And it becomes more special as an angel of the Lord appears to him. And then I love the way the Bible gets super specific. You got to read your Bibles, guys. Don't be scared of the Bible. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. In other words, what Luke is trying to say... This really happened, and there are specific details. If you know what the altar of incense looks like, imagine it, Luke is saying, and then picture an angel on the right-hand side. That's what's happening. And that's what he's going through. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. You all know what this feels like when you're startled and gripped with fear. So in my context... I'm here a lot on campus, and I come into this sanctuary, which to me is a sacred space, and I come in here for all sorts of things. It could be late at night, and it's pitch black, and I have to fix something, or I'm just coming in to pray, or whatever. But just last week, I came in, it was pitch black, and there was someone who is experiencing homelessness that was asleep when I walked in. I was startled and gripped with fear because you don't expect it. You don't expect an angel to show up. You're thinking about, does the clicker work? Like, do, how fast do I have to go? Do I say the prayer right? What if I mess up? Is God truly on the other side of this curtain? 
Because if it was, I would want to light the incense and get out as fast as I possibly can. That's what happens. Now, this is one of the things I want you to see this morning that I believe is a word for some of you here. Well, I actually believe it's for all of you. But for some of you specifically, you will know who you are when you see this next verse. Because this next verse applies to all of us, not just those who are special enough to sign, uh, to uh, light uh, incense. The angel of the Lord said to him, do not be afraid, your prayer has been heard. Now, I realize that this can sound like a platitude coming from a pastor, just saying, oh, God heard your prayer. I really want you to understand that. Your prayer has been heard. Do not be afraid. Zechariah, Lisa, Tori, Janine, Gary, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. The God who's on the other side of that curtain, he hears you and he sees you and he knows your name. And this particular season, as we go through all the crazy things that we, through COVID and this and that and a new president, blah, 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 all these different things, throughout it all, you might be tempted to think that he doesn't hear you and he doesn't know your name, but he does. Your prayer has been heard. Now, if you're Zechariah, you're like, which prayer and when? Because I've been praying this for a long time. Or Zechariah would say, which prayer? <laughs> There's like 18 things I want. <laughs> like, which one? Well, he goes on. He says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. Why John? Because it's an amazing name. <laughs> and it means awesome. Or something to that effect. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. Now, so, maybe you're thinking the same thing. Why does it take so long? You ever ask God that? Why is it taking so long? And then, is God just doing his thing, and I'm just a pawn in all of this? Like, am I just the one who just has to go through it? Watch the very next thing the angel says to, to Zechariah, which I think is so sweet. And you guys, as far as you and me and all of us are concerned, we need to understand this portion of it. He will be a joy and delight to you. In other words, what he's saying is, you will be a part of this process. You're not just a pawn. Think about this. Now, for those of you, spoiler alert, if you're new to the Bible, this is John the Baptist that we're talking about. So uh, you might not have known that or you're like, oh man, I wanted to read that for myself. You still can read it. But he will be a joy and delight to you. In other words, you are truly going to be, he's not just here to accomplish my purpose as bringing Jesus in. You're going to be a part of the process too. When John the Baptist left his Legos all over the floor, when John the Baptist cried from 8.30 at night till 10 at night, 
He will be a joy and delight. His purpose for, with God in order to usher Jesus in was one aspect of his life. He was their kid. He was their son. And for some of you who are going through what you're going through and you're thinking like, oh man, if we could just get here, if we could just get here, God is interested in, in, in those things. But he's also interested in the process of what's going down. So he says he'll be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. And he goes on. And he just starts, if you can think like Zechariah right now, I don't know what he's thinking. I'd be like, Okay, I'll be honest. If it were me, I'd be like, how long is this going to go? Because I have to light incense right now. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I am very focused when it comes to accomplishing tasks. So I'm like, hey, brother, can you speed it up a little bit? Send me an email. Do whatever. Got to light the incense. Everybody's waiting, okay? So he goes on. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or fermented drink. All this means is that he is going to be taking a Nazarite vow. Okay? So not only is he going to enter into this priestly family, he's going to take it to the next level. And he will be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, even before he's born. We see this later on in the Luke narrative in that when, when um, Mary shows up and she sees... Uh, uh, Elizabeth, literally John leaps in the womb. In other words, this is, I don't, I can't explain it. Don't, don't ask me to explain it. I can't, but this is what's going on. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. This language for Zechariah is huge. When you say he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, you are making an incredible declaration. You and I just think, oh, sweet. Zechariah, from what he knew from the Old Testament, from what he knew of his priestly duties, the fact that he's in the temple, this is huge. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah is like you or me or anyone else who would hear this news. As a matter of fact, almost anyone else who, if you read the Bible, who hears from an angel has this statement or this question. How can I be sure of this? My second observation in this story. The first is that God hears your prayer and he knows who you are. And he knows the process. The second thing is that you don't have to be sure of the outcome for it to happen. And yet, if you're like me, I want to know for sure. It's a very normal question. What he, this kind of this Greek word of being sure is that how can I know this? Like know for sure. Like know. Like how can I make this like two plus two equals four? And then he just makes this statement. He is kind of self-aware. And he says, I'm an old man. <laughs> right? He's probably like 54. Like, that's just how old I am, right? I'm an old man. In other words, this is a miracle if you just take me into account. This shouldn't happen. 
I'm an old man. And then I know the dude's been married for a long time. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm relatively sure on how he continues his sentence. He says, I'm an old man, and my wife is, is well along in years. In other words, if there's a journey of life, she's down the road some, you know. He's trying to be nice. I like Zechariah. He probably would have, if he had time, he had to light the incense, so he didn't really have time to have a long conversation. But he might say something like, she's just as beautiful as the day I met her. Something like that. He says, she's well along in years. I'm an old man. She's well along in years. Here's what Gabriel says. Ooh, whoops. I'm Gabriel. <laughs> That's his answer to Zechariah. Zechariah, here's the question. How can I be sure? Here's the answer. Bro, I'm Gabriel. Like, is it, do you get an angel to visit you every day? Like, wh what about this? Do you not understand? I'm Gabriel. Now, for you and I, we laugh. He would have gone, you mean from Daniel? <laughs> that Gabriel? Because he would have studied, Zechariah would have studied that whole book. He would have gotten all the way to Daniel 9. He would have gotten everywhere. And he's like, oh man, that Gabriel? But it's too late because Gabriel's already annoyed. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Like, just to get the point across to Zechariah. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Dummy. Like, now, now let's just back up. Zechariah's a priest. He's been doing this. He's probably gone to the temple, you know, every year in his group. And all of a sudden, he gets to do incense. He's super excited, gets there, and an angel shows up. And it's the angel from Daniel. And he says, I sit in the presence of God. I tell you this good news. And then this happens. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. To where, if you're a reader of the Bible, like I am and you are, you'd ask, whose idea is this? Is that Gabriel's? Like, he's like, you know what? Fine. Or did Jesus say or God say, hey, if he doesn't believe you, can't talk. I, I don't know. But that's what he says, I'm annoyed or whatever, be silent, you won't be able to speak until this happens, because you did not believe my words. I might have believed him, I was just saying how, I'm old and my wife is somewhat advanced, and which will come true at their appointed time. That's lame. If you're Zechariah, you're like, I can't talk for how long? It's appointed time. We'll get there when we get there, if any of you have had to drive kids around, okay? <laughs> My third point for you this morning in this narrative. This can either be crushing to you, or it can be hope-filled for you. For some of you, maybe you are trying to think of a new relationship or something like that, and you're like, why isn't this working out? Well, maybe it's just not the appointed time. Maybe the Lord wants to do some work in you first. Maybe the Lord wants to do some work in me first. 
Maybe as we look through our lives and our expectations and all these things we're going through, even when we're trying to follow the Lord, we're blameless and we're righteous and we're doing it. And the Lord says, look, I, I have a plan. It's just going to take an appointed time that you're not privy to. And can you rest in that? So he says, you won't be able to speak. So meanwhile... Thank you, Luke, because I was thinking about the people. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering, we've done this every year. It's never taken this long. Did we give him a lighter that worked? Or whatever they're thinking. Like, does he know how to light incense? Did he take that class? Did he fail it in priestly school? Whatever. He's wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. Right? They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. This poor guy. For he kept making signs to them. So he's like, you know, you went into the temple. You were trying to light the incense. Yes. A pterodactyl came in. No, 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 not a pterodactyl. And you're like, snow angel? Yeah. Yes, angel, angel. Okay, an angel came. You saw an angel. That's what he's going through. He's doing all these signs to try to get it across. But he still remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed. So in other words, he had to stay there. Can't speak. His lighting of the incense, everything he had planned. Because he would have known about this earlier. He would have told Elizabeth. Guess who gets to light the incense? He's been so excited. And he goes, and nothing that he expected has happened. And it's actually gotten worse. And maybe that's you this season. Maybe the expectations you had, the things you had going that seemed that were going to seem exciting. Maybe it is the loss of a loved one. Maybe it is a relationship that's on the rocks. Maybe it's a relationship that you're waiting for that hasn't happened yet. So when his service is completed, he returned home. Now, again, forgive me for getting a little too raw. But if I were told that the only way I could speak again was for my wife to have a baby, and I understand physiology, there would be, even more than normal, one thing on my mind when I got home. How do I convince her that God wants us to have sex? Right? And I'd have the entire thing home of like, oh boy, okay, I can't talk, so how do I get this across? And so maybe you just, you're writing out, see, it's just starting to hit you right now. Okay. As you're, as you're maybe sitting there like, oh my goodness, I have to like make this not look rude. Dear Elizabeth, you are so beautiful from the day I met you. And you like stop off, you get flowers, some candy. You're like, I got to, you know, so you show up. You, you have like a typical dude, God, God wants us to have sex. And she's like, I fell for this once before. I'm not falling for this again. Good try. You're disgusting. Whatever. Okay. But you got to read your Bible. It's all in there. You just have to look a little deeper. Okay. He returned home. And he had to explain all this. I just lost my wife. Okay. Here's the thing I want you to see. Most times, there is a gap between the promise and the payoff. 
and it requires patience. Three Ps. Most of the time, there's a gap between the promise and the payoff. And maybe you feel like God has called you to something. God has um, uh, created you a certain way, and none of it's being realized. Most of the time, it doesn't just happen. Most of the time, God uses the gap between the promise and the payoff to do a work in us. I will give you an example. When I left high school, I felt a call to be in ministry. I went to college. I did not do well in those theology classes. <laughs> I felt, like many of you, that the Bible is just too complicated, and I just, I'm like, I'm not doing this. So I went into business instead, which was a good decision at the time. And for 16 years, I was in business, all with this nagging thing in the back of my mind. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. As a matter of fact, Lisa wrote in her diary, I know that John is called to full-time ministry. I just don't know how long it's going to take. But even if it takes 10 years, we're ready. It was 10 years after that that I walked through those doors and became the pastor here. Most times, there is a gap between the promise and the payoff. I'm telling you this for a fact. You did not want me to be your pastor right out of college. <laughs> there had to be a gap. Because God had to do a work. And what if we saw that gap as an opportunity for God to work in us? I don't know what it was like for poor Zachariah because he had to go five months until she got pregnant. And then you got nine months after that. So he had to go 14 months and maybe a little, couple other weeks without talking while God did some process. After this, his wife became pregnant. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. Do you know why she remained in seclusion? It doesn't say, but I get, bet I know why. This isn't the first time she's gotten pregnant, probably. She's probably lost some babies. And she was tired of announcing and then feeling down. Announcing and feeling down. Excited and not excited. Having people ask, how's the pregnancy going? How's the pregnancy going? And having to go, yeah, it didn't, didn't, didn't wait. So she waits five months. Just to make sure, I think, I could be wrong. She remained in seclusion. And then she says this, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. And then we get to what we're going to be talking about next week. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, same angel, to Nazareth, to a town Galilee, in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So we, we set all this up as the worship band returns. We set all this up for what we know is the Christmas story of Jesus being born to a virgin Mary. We're gearing up for that next week. But in the process, in the meantime, Zechariah had to go through what Zechariah had to go through. And in the meantime, you and I will have to go through what we need to go through. And 
My hope as we begin this series is that we begin to understand that maybe in that gap, maybe in that time from when you really feel like God is calling you to something or maybe he's stirring something in your heart or maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I think it's time for me to get back into a relationship or to to begin some new thing. We cannot lose sight of the importance of the gap where God wants to do a work in us and God wants to use us. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, Mary and how Gabriel is lame. Uh, I'll explain, uh, but we'll explain, I'll explain that. But in the meantime, this week, what I'd ask you to do, we're going to end with a a final song, and I'll come back up and bless us. But maybe during this time, maybe you sing the song we're singing. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're silent, like Zechariah. Maybe at your next family event, you're silent, like Zechariah. And you listen to the Lord. God, what would you have me do in this situation? As I wait for this next chapter of my life, as I wait, How would you want to use me? How would you want to shape me? Because he does. He wants to use you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you know us and you hear us. And Lord, while you operate in your own time frame and with your own um, outlook, you include us. You allow us into the process. You say that This situation will be a delight to you. It's not just a chore. It's the process of following you. So Lord, I pray as we begin this series that we would truly have Christ in us. That everywhere we go, regardless of what step of the journey we're on, we would bring Jesus. In your name, amen. If you want to go ahead and stand for the blessing. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace and his joy and in his strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and we will see you next week.